This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. This is a special podcast of In Legal Terms. Since we were prevented from broadcasting at our regular time, we'd like to drop this audio this week. Hello, Professor Gershon. Good afternoon, Liz. I usually say good morning, but uh, we're doing this in the afternoon, and glad we could do this podcast. I am also. And, you know, it's getting to the end of the calendar year, which is the tax year. So, Professor Tax Lawyer, do you have uh, some suggestions uh, for folks that should keep in mind over the next six weeks as far as the IRS tax regulations go? Well, Liz, first thing is uh, people should get organized and realize that we're getting to that time of year. Uh, So they should have their tax information uh, from their employers. If they're self-employed, they should be keeping their records in 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 an organized way. So it'll be easy uh, when we get to the beginning of next year and and it's time to start filling out our taxes, uh, that that information will be easy to get to and uh, will be well organized. And my family, it's actually my wife who does the organization. She she hands me a folder when I get ready to do the taxes and say end of January or early February uh, and makes it really easy for me, especially since she runs her own business. So get organized is the first thing. I like those um, multi-pocket binder things, or sometimes I, I have a special folder on the computer where I save things, and I know my mom still gets a paper bank statement, and when she reviews it each month, she takes a highlighter to highlight any charitable contributions that have come up on her credit card. Absolutely. And let's talk about charitable contributions, because that's one of the things that people can be doing still all the way up through December 31st. Uh, They can be making contributions to charities that will be uh, potentially deductible. Remember, you do have to itemize those. So with the standard deduction increasing in 2017, fewer people will be itemizing. But it's important to keep records of your charitable contributions in any event. Uh, The other thing is uh, people might want to ask, can you deduct uh, clothing or furniture, and how do you do that? Well, for example, if you donate something to Goodwill, uh, you can get a receipt from Goodwill, and you want to keep track of the the clothing or furniture that you donate uh, to to Goodwill. One thing to keep in mind is that if you take more than a five hundred dollar uh, deduction for things like the uh, household goods, like clothing and furniture, you're going to have to show substantiation, uh, and you're going to have to show how you valued those assets. So the truth is, I tend to only take $500 as a deduction uh, because that's usually fine without any any proof, uh, as long as you've actually given uh, those items. Um, you know, one question people might ask is, what about blood donations? And and you know, because people talk about, okay, I've given blood or I volunteered uh, my time at the food bank, or uh, I know there was a story about Stewpot uh, recently on on uh, MPB, and. Um, you know, donations of time are not deductible, 
and blood is considered a service, so it's not deductible. But your travel to and from your time as a volunteer, so your 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 mileage on your car driving to volunteer will be deductible. I remember that from an old Mary Tyler Moore episode. Uh, she had given all of her information to the auditor, and of course he was just enamored of her. But she had written had a popsicle stick, and that was her receipt where she had written down the uh, 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 she taken some um, organization out for ice cream and had written the license number of the popsicle truck and had written that information on the popsicle stick. Exactly. Well, that's so that, you know, uh, any, any kind of record of work, as long as it's uh, as long as it's a deduction that actually is deductible. And I do want to remind people that the standard deduction for a married couple filing jointly for your 2019 taxes is $24,400. So uh, if you don't have itemized deductions equal to, or, or I should say an excess of, excess of $24,400, then you're really not gonna be able to use those uh, deductions anyway. And you're just gonna take the standard deduction. So when you're giving chair to charity, uh, that's always a good thing to do anyway. And, and you obviously want to give for other reasons besides tax reasons. But if you've, if you've given money to charity and you've got a home mortgage, and medical expenses and state taxes, they're really not going to help you on your taxes at all unless they all together exceed $24,400 for a married couple. And for a single person, that's $12,200, uh, exactly one half of the standard deduction for a, marital a married couple. Do they still have a, a specific threshold that you have to reach for the medical expenses? They had that in the past. They do. And uh, that is seven and a half percent of your adjusted gross income. So that's pretty high. So if I have a hundred thousand dollars worth of uh, 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 adjusted gross income, and I've got say eight thousand dollars worth of medical expenses, I can only deduct my medical expenses to the extent they exceed seven and a half percent of my adjusted gross income. So I can only take a five hundred dollar deduction. Uh, because I have eight thousand dollars in expenses, and seven and a half percent would be seventy five hundred. So I only get to deduct five hundred, but then I have to itemize that five hundred. So if all, if that five hundred added to all my other itemized deductions uh, doesn't exceed the standard deduction, I'm still going to take the standard deduction. So basically, the federal government uh, on your taxes does not want to be your health insurer. They'd rather you use the Affordable Care Act and, and buy health insurance through the Affordable Care Act. But there are other ways to get uh, your medical expenses paid with through tax planning. Uh, is that what the the health savings account? It, it is. A health savings account is one way, and that is a way to put, put aside pre-tax dollars that would pay for your health expenses. And there's also something that a lot of people have through their employers called a, a, a flexible spending account, an FSA. And those are uh, accounts that you can put aside a certain amount of money pre-tax uh, each month that uh, you can, when you have uh, qualified medical expenses, you can be reimbursed with your FSA. So for example, I have an FSA here at, at the university. And uh, when I spend money for medical expenses, I submit uh, those costs to my uh, flex account, is what is called a flex account, and I'll get reimbursed. And so what that really does is it's, it, instead of trying to deduct my expenses, I'm actually getting reimbursed. The same with a, 
health savings account is actually pre-tax dollars. So you're you're not getting to deduct those dollars, but you're allowed to use pre-tax dollars to pay your medical expenses. Those are two really good ways to do that. So I'm glad you asked that question. We were excited at MPB to learn that our flexible spending account now, I think it has a maybe a $500 maximum that can be rolled over for the next year. So you, before it used to be if you didn't spend all of your flexible savings account in a calendar year, you might have had until March to finish spending it, but now you can roll it over completely to the next year. So I would encourage individuals to check their flexible spending accounts to see if they've had any modifications. Right. Ours is $500. If you have more than $500 left in your account, though, that goes back to the university. So uh, it's really important that people, you know, file their reimbursements. Most people can, in fact, uh, get the money money back and spend enough during a year to get that money back. Um, if, If you're not spending enough, then you need to lower the amount that you're putting aside in your flex account because you can decide how much you want to put aside each month. Uh, I always am conservative about it because I figure, uh, you know, probably we'll have medic- a certain amount of medical expenses and, you know, we'll have most of them will be reimbursed, but some of them won't be. I'd rather do that than, than have too much in the account. We're going to take a quick break from our podcast on In Legal Terms. I hope you enjoy this message. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. We're glad that you're listening to our podcast for In Legal Terms. Let's continue with talking about end-of-year tax planning. You mentioned that your wife has her own business. Uh, Is that where you get uh, an individual might get involved in estimated taxes? Yes. When you think about somebody who runs their own business, and and especially in this gig economy, we have a lot of people who are independent contractors. So it's really important that they think about the issues that relate to them. And one of them, one of the most important ones is estimated taxes. Uh, You know, I am an employee. So each month, the university will withhold money from my account, from my uh, uh, paycheck, and pay into my taxes. So I, I don't have to worry about it as much. I, I, you know, as long as I'm uh, withholding enough, I should be fine by the end of the year. But my wife uh, gets a paycheck from uh, her contractor uh, when they pay her. And if unless we pay estimated taxes, she's going to have to pay penalties and interest. Because the way it works is you have to pay uh, your taxes on time, even though you can file till April 15th, and even though you can get an extension to file, you do not get an extension to pay. And the IRS wants you to have paid 80% of your taxes uh, by the time you file uh, your tax return. Uh, that, that's uh, under the, uh, the new act. I mean, it is also going to be phased back up to 90% at some point. So we want to make sure that we pay our taxes uh, 
rateably, and that's what estimated taxes are about. So if you have your own business, you absolutely want to be making sure you're paying through the year. Now, if you get to the end of the year and you haven't made estimates, it's still not too late. You're just going to have to make a bigger, bigger estimate amount. Uh, really, really important. You don't want to have to pay penalties and interest. The other, the other thing to think about is that uh, you know I have money withheld each month for my retirement plan, and my employer contributes to my retirement plan. A, a, a self-employed individual can contribute to a retirement plan. And so for my wife, we've set up something called a SEP IRA. Uh, you know, it's really a self-employment plan. It's, it's a simple IRA that is one that is for, uh, for self-employed people. It was really easy to set up and it's a, a way for us to put money aside for her every year uh, for her retirement. But it also reduces your taxes because those contributions uh, up to the maximum amount you can put in the IRA each year are deductible. And so, uh, you know, we, we take advantage of that. It, everyone should be doing that. We, I'm, I'm understanding that Americans are not putting money away for retirement uh, in, in numbers that they should. And especially with the gig economy, with so many people uh, not being employed, but, you know, taking on uh, different tasks uh, as independent contractors, it really worries me that we have uh, people who are not saving enough for retirement. And in addition to those who have the simple IRAs who are uh, independent contractors, there are IRAs and Roth IRAs. Remind us uh, who qualifies for each of those. Well, one thing that uh, anyone can qualify for an IRA as long as they don't have uh, an employer plan, an employer plan, or as long as their spouse doesn't have an employer plan. Uh, If your spouse has an employer plan, then you're, you're uh, contributions to uh, an IRA are going to be more limited and maybe you may not be able to have one at all. So uh, those are just something you need to talk to your, your particular advisor about because those numbers are going to vary. But it's, it's, worth, it's worth looking into. Now, a Roth IRA, uh, pretty much anybody can set up a Roth IRA. Uh, there are income limits, though. Uh, for, you know, so people can, who with, with larger incomes are going to be limited as to what they can put into either an IRA or a Roth IRA. Um, but the way a Roth IRA works is that uh, when you put money into a Roth IRA, you, you pay the tax as you're putting the money in. And then as the Roth IRA grows, you can take the money out at retirement uh, t- totally tax-free. So you're not taxed on any of that, that growth, and, and you can take it out tax-free. You just pay the tax up front. With a regular IRA, the tax is deferred. You don't pay tax. You get a deduction on those dollars you put into a regular IRA. Uh, and then when you take out uh, payments on the other end, they're all taxable. And a lot of people will wonder, well, why would I, why would I not do a Roth IRA? And, and the, the answer is you might want to. Um, but the fact is they probably work out about the same because uh, if you pay the taxes now, and let's say you don't retire for another 30 years, you're giving the IRS the money uh, up front uh, they have 30 years to invest that money. That's 30 years you don't have to invest that money. And so when you're getting the uh, money out 30 years from now tax-free, in a way, you've already, uh, they've already figured out um, that they're going to come out ahead doing that. The IRS is going to figure, figure out they're coming out ahead because you're playing with house money in that case in a way. Uh, and then, uh, or they're playing with house money, I should say. And on your end, on the other end, when you pay the uh, taxes at the at, at the back end, uh, they're collecting taxes on the growth on the IRA. And so uh, that's another way that they, they catch up. 
And so it really does, it works out about the same. I always say that uh, a Roth IRA is like backing into a parking space. You're doing all the work up front uh, so you don't have to do it afterwards. Uh, and uh, a regular IRA is like parking in the parking space the front way where you have to back out at the end. They work out about the same, honestly, uh, if, if you really do the math. Well, and this year I'm doing the happy dance. This is my first year to not contribute to a 529 plan, I think, since they started. Uh, let's remind what our listeners what the 529 plans are for. And those are educational savings plans, and they're a great way to save money for college for a child, or now they can be applied to uh, elementary schools and, uh, and high schools as well. Uh, if, if you send a child to a private school, that's a fairly new uh, uh, 2017 addition to what a 529 can do. A 529 plan is something you invest in with a particular state, and so uh, you, don't get a, you don't get a federal income tax deduction for those, but you can get a state uh, deduction for those. So uh, we have our 529 plan. We still have somebody in college, and we have our 529 plan through the through Mississippi, the state of Mississippi. And so we, when we make contributions uh, up to twenty thousand uh, dollars, we can deduct that, those contributions from our state taxes, not our federal taxes. So that's that's a good uh, a good incentive. You know, it's a, it's a, a smaller percentage than the federal tax, but certainly still a savings. And then. Uh, the money in the 529 grows tax-free, uh, so you can use any growth in the fund as long as you're paying qualified educational expenses. So tuition and other expenses that uh, are necessary for the child to attend uh, school, college, or and even, as I mentioned, uh, elementary school, high school. Now, what, what happens if, for example, I put aside money, uh, one of my daughters, we, have, we had a 5294, and she came to a great program at the University of Mississippi that actually paid her room, board, and tuition. Well, uh, can we use her 529 for somebody else? And the answer is yes, as long as we're using that 529 for educational costs. So we're using it for her sister, who is actually going to a school, a private school. Uh, so that's just uh, another thing to think about is if you've got more than one child, you're not locked in to using the 529 for a particular child you could even use the 529 for grandchildren or you know or children of friends if you wanted to uh, as long as they're used for educational purposes and one thing that we learned because uh, we with three children ours trickled down and when the baby when our 529 had run out you can still make a contribution to it it won't grow tax-free because you're, you may need to withdraw that amount to pay the new tuition bills, but you still make a contribution, and I do believe there is a time period. It does have to stay in the 529 account for you to be available to take, a, a, uh, take advantage of the tax-free um, savings uh, for that contribution. That's right. That's right. So they're good. You know, they're good uh, vehicles. And again, they take some planning. It's just like everything else. You want to think ahead of time. If you've got a child that you know is going to go to college in the future, now you know now's it's the sooner the better. Now's the time to start putting that money into that account uh, for their savings. I did want to say that there's a new type of account for uh, every once in a while. We have uh, Rick Courtney on the show, and he deals with disability planning. And uh, there's a new account called an ABLE account, a 529A 
Uh, and uh, because 529 is the Internal Revenue Code section that uh, creates these plans, and 529 capital A, uh, called the Enable Account, is a way to put money aside for a disabled child who may not be going to college, but who needs the money for educational expenses, other kinds of educational expenses, maybe uh, you know uh, some training for job training or things like that. And, and those accounts are relatively new and a good way to set money aside that grows, again, tax-free. Uh, you just have to be careful because a lot of times those accounts uh, are, are uh, in addition to things like Medicaid that the child is getting. And so you would want to talk to an advisor who does disability planning to help you know what the limits are on a 529A account. Well, I appreciate you taking extra time out of your schedule. Uh, you volunteer to be our host for In Legal Terms, and we appreciate you. Couldn't do it without you. Well, and I couldn't do it without you, and it's, it's, uh, it's a pleasure, and I'm, I'm glad we did this podcast so that uh, people wouldn't miss their, uh, their fix of In Legal Terms this week. That's going to wrap us up for today's In Legal Terms. So for Professor Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law, I'm Liz Gill. We hope you'll join us Tuesdays at 10 a.m. for In Legal Terms, broadcast on MPB Think Radio. You can listen live at mpbonline.org or catch our podcast from our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.